Welcome to Smart Route, the podcast by Call Tracking Metrics, where you'll hear stories from businesses at the intersection of marketing, customer experience, and sales. We're sitting down with business leaders and industry experts to dive deep into the path they took to find success. Here's your host, Courtney Tyson. Hello again, and welcome to Smart Route. I'm Courtney Tyson, your host and strategic partnership manager at Call Tracking Metrics. Thanks for listening in. Our guest today is Scott Stevenson, co-founder and CEO of DeepGram. Scott is a dark matter physicist turned deep learning entrepreneur. He earned his PhD in particle physics from the University of Michigan, where his research involved building a lab two miles underground to detect dark matter. He left his physics research position to co-found DeepGram, where he serves as CEO today. Hi, Scott, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. We're excited to chat with you. Um, so for those that don't know, DeepGram is the leader in enterprise automatic speech recognition. That's ASR for short. Um, they work with call centers and software providers, including call tracking metrics. Um, so the goal of today's call is we're really going to be generally talking about what conversation intelligence is. Um, we're going to talk to Scott more about how DeepGram has utilized it and what advice he has for businesses to get started. So I guess let's go ahead and get started. All right. Um, so Scott, in the simplest of terms, can you describe conversation intelligence for us and how a business might leverage it? Sure, yes. So um, there's there's a technical definition in, uh, for it, but I, I mean, maybe I'll save that and give, give you the general idea here. And it's really, the uh, best way to think about it is what does a human do when they're in a conversation? And um, there's part of this might be the transcription of the words. In other words, uh, hearing a word and knowing what the word is. Um, there might be a timing component to it. When were these words said? Um, uh, underlying it all, though, is trying to discover what the intent is behind the conversation. So um, at, at DeepGram, we build uh, speech recognition systems, and that means there's a machine listening to a conversation, generally between a, a couple humans, and uh, it's trying to do the job of what maybe a third party would be if they were listening into the conversation. Maybe you actually have somebody taking notes or that type of thing. Um, so uh, it might be who is speaking when, what words were they saying, um, what was the intent behind the conversation, and uh, what language are they speaking, uh, are they excited or not, uh, that type of thing. And this is really valuable information that essentially for the for all of the history of humanity has never been um, automated previously. It had to just be a human that listened to the conversation and maybe they would score it or flag it as like negative or positive or something like that. But uh, it was really expensive to go down that route. And so many uh, companies never did. Uh, or maybe they did it on a small percentage of their audio. But uh, now with AI and automation uh, actually becoming efficient and with high efficacy, uh, it, you're actually going to see over the next 10, 20 years that uh, we're not just going to be talking to an IVR when you call in and they say, like, do you want to talk to sales or support? And it's like a one word answer. Um, you'll be saying an entire sentence and you'll actually be happy about it. You'll be <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of 
maybe right now you call in and it doesn't understand you all that well, um, they, they're probably still using an antiquated system when, when that happens. But over the next few years, you're going to start to encounter lots of wow moments when you're interacting with an automated system. So yeah, that's what conversational intelligence is all about. It's taking natural um, voice or text that people are speaking or typing and trying to understand the intent behind it. Um, but it has a lot of pieces in it, you know, like which language, what words, that type of thing. Sure. Yeah. And so I think that's really helpful for our clients at CTM and just our listeners in general, because I think a lot of times, you know, we're being asked about conversational intelligence or maybe for it, but our clients or our listeners, like they don't really know that they're asking for it because they don't really understand what is it, what it is at its core, because when you think about speech automation or speech recognition, really all that has been out there in the past is like the general transcriptions. Right. Um, so, so that's, that's really helpful. Now, I'm sure you've drank your own champagne <laughs> looking at, you know, your own business. What are some of the best insights you've been able to glean from using conversational intelligence? Well, one of the first things we we built at DeepGram um, when we were still a really young company, we, we didn't have anybody answering the phones. And so we used uh, we used a, a VoIP company to intercept phone calls that would come to our DeepGram phone number. And and transcribe them and determine whether they were important or not. Is it in like an employee verification uh, coming in? That, that's probably pretty important. Uh, is somebody getting a loan for their house and they need that? You know, <laughs> in order to you know these things are pretty important. But uh, if it's if it's if it's not an important call, then um, we we don't need to go listen to the voicemail or call anybody back. You know that type of thing. So from the very very early days of DeepGram, we were utilizing this for our own um, business. Now we don't get a we don't get a ton of inflow into uh, into that uh, contact point, but there are many customers that work with DeepGram that do that are uh, they have a ten thousand seat call center or even you know a hundred or ten person seat, and they're wondering what is happening all day. Are we missing out on opportunities? Uh, are our competitors being mentioned? Um, is there anybody that is way too excited uh, in a negative way, or maybe uh, maybe you still would like to know if they're very excited in a positive way as well? And so, um, anyway, yeah, the, there's there's a lot of use cases. It can be in meetings, it can be in phone calls, it could it could be in um, uh, just a one way short form like the like the voicemail, or it could be conversational between multiple people over half an hour or two hours. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we see a lot of uses. And so you talked a little bit about, you know, how you used it kind of as a startup, right. Versus maybe a, a large call center. So in terms of, you know, thinking about thinking that the approach obviously like differs between small businesses and enterprise, like how would, how would you scale gathering voice, voice insights if, you know, you're a small business business versus, you know, a, a large enterprise Sure. Yeah. You always start the same way. So like, what's your biggest problem? Um, and maybe, maybe don't, a lot of times that biggest problem is not necessarily a super complicated one either. So if you're, uh, for instance, a, a call center that has a bunch of people calling in to re reset their passwords at the end of the month, every month, because that's when your password resetting uh, uh, tends to happen or their, or their passwords tend to expire. Um, then that you, it's fairly predictable. Uh, it's a fairly easy conversation 
conversation. They just need help doing it, et cetera. Maybe you could automate that. Um, and, or maybe somebody's just calling in for the hours or something like that. You're going to start to see these sort of 80% use cases uh, crop up uh, all over the place where you, you uh, use automation to take care of the one or two or, or top three easy things that people are typically uh, making calls about. And then the, the ones that take a little more creativity, a little deeper thought, et cetera, that's when you have your uh, human agents come into the conversation. Okay. And so I think that that's helpful, right? Because we work with a lot of clients that, you know, are kind of across the board in terms of what size company, you know, they are, or they work for, um, same goes for our listeners. And I think that too, our, our clients all use our software differently. I mean, we have Clients using us for call center tools, other for mar- others for marketing attribution. Some even yeah. use both. And you know, I've worked in a client-facing role at CTM for over two years. And you know, I can tell you, no matter how a client is using our software, we're they're breaking up conversation intelligence. It's just yeah. something they're asking us about often. I think the concept's just becoming more mainstream, right? Um, and you know, it comes up too because. I guess I, th- I think people don't really know how to use it yet or, or even where to get started. And so um, that's another question I had for you, too, was, you know, how can a business get started with conversation intelligence? Are there tools available that are turnkey that they can use? Yep. Yeah. So there's sort of there's, a, there's an interesting story there. And I'll, I'll get to the, the, you know, an exact answer on the last question you had there. But I think people are becoming um, a lot more aware of the ability to use voice conversational intelligence and, and automation um, because they're seeing it more in the consumer world. So uh, mm-hmm. Alexa is big, uh, Google Home is big, um, uh, Apple has a home device as well. Um, and the in it, not only have, are they big and do they have some hype behind them, um, they're actually starting to work pretty well, you know, and mm-hmm. in your in your consumer life, you can set a timer as you're cooking and like it actually just works and uh, that type of thing. And um, it, it, maybe you find, you, you know, catch your, uh, your, uh, your child cheating on their math homework by asking Alexa for the answer, you know, mm-hmm. and like, wait a minute, like there's something like five, 10 years ago, uh, voice automation was a joke. And, but now there's like, there's something to this. It's actually working. Right. Um, and that definitely has raised awareness and popularity in the world, uh, that, that consumer awareness. Um, and now people are asking the question, okay, uh, obviously there's something working here. How do I get it into my business? How do I, how do I, how do I utilize this, um, in a high value, uh, situation. And um, maybe the the first thing they would think is like, hey, uh, it's working in the consumer world. Um, you know, Apple, uh, Google, Amazon, they probably have the best systems. Maybe I should just go with that. And um, it's a good place to start. It's a good first like demo or something like that to get in place. But really, those systems are built for the consumer world. They're built for that command and control type thing. They're built to have a proprietary device that has multiple microphones and uh, that type of thing. Um, They're not really built for multi-party conversational, like 10-minute conversation, 30-minute, two-hour long type stuff. And and they're also not priced for it either. uh, So it gets really expensive. Um, So Mm -hmm. one of the things you have to look at is like, okay, or I would would suggest is like, what if it works, right? What, What if it does actually do the thing that you'd like it to 
to do? Um, you know, what's the budget for that type of thing? And what kind of personnel could you put on solving the problem? Um, so what I mean is, is it going to take one engineer or like a quarter of an engineer's time and everything is working? Or is it going to take like a dedicated team? Is it, do you feel like it's going to take a year or two for you to switch out your underlying infrastructure in order to be able to absorb uh, voice data? Because a lot of customers, they their their VoIP system, they may not even have a VoIP system. <laughs> they might have like literally mm -hmm. a PDX system still in their basement and they're working on switching to VoIP. Actually, right. COVID and the pandemic has sort of helped that out. You know, everybody's had to step on the gas um, on uh, adopting VoIP, which is now, you know, plus 20 year old uh, uh, technology. But but nevertheless, yeah. And so that it, I, you start think of, thinking of it from that standpoint, is, Vo is voice data valuable to you? Um, it, it, if so, uh, if you could pay a hundred times less than a human to analyze that data, like what kind of scale could you get out of it? These are, these are, you know, pretty big questions and, and push companies down the, um, the path of thinking more like a data driven, uh, decision-making company rather than sort of seat of the pants. So you say like, mm -hmm. okay, I need to start getting raw data in so that I can turn that raw data into structured data. And then I can use that structured data in order to make decisions about my company. So, um, so specifically about voice, how you do this though, is um, think, think about that number one problem. A lot of times I, I, I like to frame it as if I could just Mm, you know, whatever that is at the yeah. end, if I could just do this, then we would be able to build this other product and get this other category and whatever. And it's like, okay, come up with a few of those and then pick the easiest one um, that has still really good uh, ROI. It doesn't have to be the best ROI, but really good ROI. And then make that a an example, make that um, a, a win uh, over the next six months or year. And then now you'll get your feet wet in this conversational world and know like, hey, this this type of thing is probably going to pay off in this other, other thing. Um, hey, it might be too complicated and might not be worth the effort uh, for now. Maybe we'll attack that in two years or three years or something like that. Um, and yeah, so it, it's usually... It's usually simple things that start with just, if we could just, then we would be able to, you know, and mm -hmm. if you put those sentences together uh, for your business, then you just have to think, um, how do I get the best in class vendor to capture the data, to transform it into um, a structured data after it's been captured because it's in raw form when it's initially captured, then you have to uh, 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 do some transducing. So basically a raw waveform, and then you turn it into like words, timings, confidences, what language was spoken, you know, that type of thing, put it into your uh, data warehouse and, or just make it available to your data scientists and product people. And then um, after, after that fact, or after that uh, part, you you visualize it or build a product with it, um, and so uh, yeah. It, but make sure you know you have your 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 leadership conviction behind doing it because uh, there is no like one weird trick that you can do in conversational intelligence right now um, that just like solves all of your problems. Um, you can don't don't get me wrong. You can solve a lot of your problems with it, but it does it does take some thought about what to attack first and and uh, what budget to put behind it and which people to put behind it. Yeah, sure. So so what I'm hearing is that it's important that before getting started with implementing any sort of a solution, businesses really need to first establish needs around conversation intelligence, meaning they should really have some sort of an idea as to what data insights they're hoping to gain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, they're going to be able to pull out that raw data, but what is it within that data that they're, you know, 
hoping to see or hoping to gather more about. So Yeah, and, and it could be as simple as like the marketing team would love to know when competitors are mentioned in our customer support calls. And I was like, okay, that, mm -hmm. that's, that's keyword searching across a large amount of audio. Um, now, don't go too crazy with it. Uh, like just uh, keep that as the scope. And then once once that's a scope, uh, build it, put it in place and then see if that if that data that you get back from doing that one thing is very valuable. If it is now you have a win and you probably did it in a month or two or three or something like that. And it gives you more confidence to step on the gas in bigger projects. Sure. And that's really helpful for a lot of our existing customers who are looking how to leverage the tools that we partner with you for, um, you know, the transcriptions and then allowing us, which allows us to then keyword spot. Um, so that kind of yep. gives us gives them a really good framework to work off of. Um, so thanks for that. Um, you know, I think, as I had said earlier, you know, the concept of conversation intelligence, it's becoming more mainstream. Um, and as, you know, the idea grows and more businesses kind of grasp hold of it and want to run with it, you know, what do you think the future holds for conversation intelligence and, and speech recognition software? I, I, I don't think it's an over-exaggeration to to say that automation um, is going to bring along with it a, a a change to the world that is very similar to electricity um, around 1900, or that was very similar to the internet around uh, 1990s until present uh, present times. Um, I think the next you know 20 years are going to be the age of intelligence, age of automation. Um, I I think of it as the intelligence revolution um, and. Mm -hmm. We are just at the very beginning of it, and we are we are going to now be able to make machines that right now computers, although although they may seem really smart on the outside, they're actually really dumb. Um, they, they have to have really smart people uh, write very specific code for them to work the way that they do. Um, artificial intelligence allows you to, in air quotes here, write code that doesn't have to be that smart. Um, another way to say it is that it's focused on the outcome rather than exactly how it's written. And so um, it, it, that allows you to build things that are were impossible before. So uh, speech recognition is one of those. Image recognition is another. Um, text uh, translation and that type of thing is another where um, once you relax the rules of having to have it be written by a human line by line, precisely, exactly, um, instead you can build a system that learns by example, that's how all of these areas have taken off, speech, translation, images, et, et, et cetera. And we're at the very beginning of that still. Mm -hmm. and, um, the, so the future for us is, you know, think about, I, you know, look to Hollywood in a lot of ways or, you know, look to Black Mirror or look to whatever. You, you could take a negative side or you can take a, a positive angle on it. I think at net overall, um, AI is going to bring a huge productivity increase to the world. And what we're going to see is that um, uh, the when right now, many of the things that you have to have a human present in order to do, you're not going to have to have that anymore. And um, I, I think of it a lot like, when you have one of your smart best friends around and and do you um, search on Google for your answer? Do you pick up your phone and type into it? Or do you turn to them and say like, hey, do you know what this is or what that is? And like have right. a conversation with them. 
Um, over the next 10 years, that's going to become real, but with a with a machine now. And um, they, they don't sleep. They, they don't get cranky. They don't have to eat. They don't whine. They don't do any of those things. You know, they're going to be available whenever you need them. And um, we're, we're, that's going to affect businesses a big uh, 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 in a big way. And that's going to affect uh, also just consumers in their personal life in a big way as well, just freeing up time and, and bringing, um, uh, bringing more productivity to everybody. Sure. Yeah. I, I look forward to the day where, you know, I can call a Verizon or, you know, my, my electricity company and just make that phone call a five minute interaction as opposed to 20 minutes <laughs> as I'm exactly. you know, trying to trying to explain what I need to a robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right now it might be kind of rocky. It's rocky, whether it's a human or it's a, a machine right now, but in the next 10 years um, you'll call and be happy about the outcome. Um, mm -hmm. I think every once in a while, it's kind of funny uh, now uh, maybe I interact with a bank or with what, whatever, whatever is happening. But every once in a while, I'll get a little like, wow, that was actually easy. And it's less than five minutes and I solved my problem. Now, that's not the normal case, right? Normally, it's, you know, 45 minutes, an hour and a half, et cetera, explaining yourself multiple times, et cetera. But, you know, uh, th these these companies are getting better. Part of it is because of the automation under the hood, and it's just going to keep getting better and better over time. And it's going to allow them to uh, hire a workforce also that is more um, uh, that that is like uh, more highly trained, that is more specific in their role. And so that'll be you'll get routed to the right person rather than a catch all type person. And so that's just going. To, so if you do have to interact with a person, it'll be the right person rather than just, mm -hmm. you know, essentially a random person that that just is going to change customer experience. Right now, everybody dreads having to call into a, to a company. Um, over the next couple of years, it'll still be rocky a little bit, but the, the ones that are most competitive and best at uh, attacking this area are going to win on the customer experience side, and then you know they'll, they'll, they'll win overall as a company as well. Sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting too if we think like pre-COVID, everyone was everyone was kind of weary of like the phone call and what was going to happen to it, right? Being able yeah. to now text and chat and you know send email to companies to to get an yeah. answer. But I think through COVID, what everyone realized was like, wow, you know, phone calls are are still king. Everyone still wants to jump on a call to get something done. Absolutely. And you know, if if we can make those interactions more efficient, well, phone calls really aren't going anywhere. So <laughs> I think that's good for both of us, right? Um, Absolutely. And we and we and we look back to um, to like maybe something that you would have sent in a Slack message. You could then search for it and find it later. And now you're starting to ask the question like, man, I have all these meetings, but am I able to search for it and find the previous interaction that I had? I think this is all becoming normalized as well that. Um, it's, it's okay to, it's okay, at least in a business setting, you know, to have, uh, meetings recorded and have, uh, a way to search them and go back in time. And maybe you weren't able to, to, to go to that meeting, but now you can actually watch it. And a lot of us watch, you know, a video back at greater than one X speed. And so actually you can attend the meeting faster than if you had been there in person. Um, you can get good notes afterward. You didn't even have to take it, et cetera. Like it's, uh, yeah, the world is, uh, has had to basically over the last year have been forced to uh, get used to uh, uh, this this digital form of voice communication um, through Zoom and through through everybody that it has raised that awareness. I think that there's something to voice, and you know, from a from a scientist perspective, from my perspective, uh, I look at it like, yeah, um, just think if you have a novel idea. Um, and you want to write a text or an email to somebody, how long it takes you to write that, that, that email. Um, it, 
maybe like half an hour, an hour or something like that, right? But you could clear it up with a five minute conversation with a person because you you can understand what they understand and what they don't understand based on their reaction to what you say. You can say, oh, you get what I'm saying, et cetera. You don't have to go down that path of trying to um, be so complete with what you're speaking and all of that. And so uh, anyway, uh, there there is, there is there's something to trying to... Um, explain a complicated idea to somebody that text doesn't do it, it, it images and video, uh, maybe a lot of times will do it, but they're very expensive to produce. Uh, it, it, the best route is to just have a conversation, you know, just have a quick five minute conversation and that's not going to go away. Um, yeah. I, I love the Zoom example, too, because there's always so many stakeholders that need to be involved in a decision or a conversation maybe that you're having with them. And so, you know, scheduling that that call to have every you know, have to align with everyone's schedules can be different if you can just kind of have it recorded and then analyzed and send them, you know, someone who can't be present uh, an explanation of what was discussed that just I think makes everyone's lives and jobs easier really as well. Yeah, you're seeing the rise of audio again as well. And actually, it's really funny to say that because audio was the first in a lot of ways. Uh, sure. You think back 100 years ago, uh, or a little more, uh, there was no TV, you know, there was no, may, I guess maybe telegraph was the first You text the equivalent of texting somebody by uh, mm -hmm. telegraph. But uh, it wasn't widespread, you know, and then uh, tele uh, then radio came out and the telephone came out, etc. And it, it was sort of this, the simplest sophisticated way to communicate and um we suffered kind of as an from an infrastructure perspective as 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 the world from the success of that early on where you have all your switchboards you have buy all of your equipment you scale up you put it in your basement you do all of that and the internet still isn't around it's like 1990 you know it's te uh, telco telco right mm -hmm. and um you made that huge investment and uh then the 1990s hit and you know now the 2000s and uh, internet uh really booms and you're still doing things the old way you know and uh you got a lot of utility out of audio in the past and but now you're starting to feel its age and uh the the second sort of revolution for for audio is coming and you can see it in hype around uh customers or uh companies like uh like zoom like clubhouse like yeah, like uh the discussion format is coming back, podcasts, et cetera, all of these things um, are, are on the rise right now and show no signs of stopping um, because it is this very valuable form of communication. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, this has been great, Re really great conversation. Um, you know, I definitely think that our listeners can now better understand what conversation intelligence is and also just envision it and how they can get started using it to gather data, um, as you said earlier, you know, it's data decision making, right? Like I, I like that that term that you coined there. I think you know data is king, and we all need that to make the best decisions possible for our businesses. This has been a great conversation. I think our listeners can really now better understand conversation intelligence and envision how they might get started using it to gather data to make smart business decisions. Um, so before we sign off, Scott, is there anything new or exciting you wanted to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh so we have a how DeepGram works white paper that gives an idea that goes deeper into how automatic speech recognition works and how you can uh, set it up to be successful. Uh, of course, you can work with platforms like CTM and it just have everything work. Uh, you just, you know, turn it on. Um, but if you want to know how it works under the hood, 
the that white paper can help you out. And also, we have a few webinars that you could check out to help you understand that as well. Thanks, Scott. We'll make sure to include links to those resources as well as the DeepGram website in the show notes so our listeners can learn more. Thanks again for joining us today. Um, thank you, too, on behalf of Call Tracking Metrics for just being a great partner to us. I know we've been working together for a while now, um, and we really look to your team to help us best understand approaches to conversation intelligence to help our clients achieve success. So thank you very much, Scott. Yeah, we love working with you guys. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks to our audience, too, for tuning in. Make sure to keep in touch with us and follow us on Twitter at SmartRotPod. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Smart Route Podcast. Share your favorite takeaways with us on Twitter at Smart Route Pod. Smart Route is brought to you by Call Tracking Metrics, and you can find more at calltrackingmetrics.com forward slash podcast. Follow along for ideas and conversations that will inspire your own business path forward. Speaking of smart paths, are your marketing, sales, and service teams on the same page? In today's remote world, it's easy to get disconnected. Call Tracking Metrics can help. We empower smart marketing teams to determine the best route for campaigns by showing exactly which ad campaigns are driving conversations that convert. Operational teams can use that data to automate call flows and power contact center success. Visit calltrackingmetrics.com to see why more than 100,000 customers around the globe trust Call Tracking Metrics to manage communications for their marketing, sales, and service teams.